Okay. So welcome everybody um, to this episode of Christian Women Engage podcast. Um, we are doing a series for the Mesa County or Grand Junction, rather not Mesa County, the Grand Junction City Council elections. And we're going through and interviewing four candidates, one per week, and we're asking them all kind of similar questions. And then we're going to be posting their interviews. So our first, the first up candidate is Greg Heights. We're going to be asking him a few questions to help us all get to know him a little bit better. So thank you, Greg, for joining us. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing or your, your history and your background. Sure, sure. So I was born in Delta, Colorado, so Western Colorado native. Uh, I'm one of nine kids. I'm the second oldest of nine kids. Um, so born in Delta, we moved to Colorado Springs a couple of years later and then showed up in back to Western Colorado, um, I think when I was nine years old, right after the whole oil shell boom. And uh, I remember my parents bought a foreclosed home and the grass was like three feet high. And it was my job to go out there and mow it. And um, so we went to a couple of private schools that got cost prohibitive with that many kids. And so my parents decided to take the leap and homeschool us. So I am the product of homeschooling. Um, back then you didn't really get a diploma. So you had to go get a GED if you wanted to go to college. So I went and got my GED, took the ACT and then uh, went to Mesa State College and majored in biology. I wasn't sure at that time what I wanted to do. I thought about maybe going into emergency medicine um, and then path kind of switched. I wanted to do more health and wellness and so decided to become a chiropractor. So married my wife, Andrea. We actually dated for six months, were engaged for seven weeks and then left for chiropractic school about eight days later. So that was wild and crazy time. It was a good time. It was a, it was a big adventure. So went to Devonport, Iowa for chiropractic school. And uh, about three and a third years later, came back to Junction, uh, joined a group practice there um, for about four years, just to kind of learn what I wanted to do with my practice, what I didn't want to do with my practice, got a lot of good experience. And then right on the cusp of the Great Recession, opened my own practice. I was about 2007, I believe. And you could start to kind of see the tide turn. And uh, those were rough times, you know, trying to open up a business. Um, I remember Halliburton laid off, I think it was like 300 workers in a 30 day period. And so our practice almost instantly overnight lost about 30% of our patient base. And so those are really rough times. Um, but since then, you know, we've done good. I started with one employee back then, we're up to 11 employees now. Um, my wife's a small business owner, she's a realtor. Uh, we have three awesome kids and you name it, we've, we've done it and lived it. Um, so our kids are in D51 schools. We're kind of doing a charter school, homeschool hybrid right now that's actually working out, working out pretty good. We still had to go through a lot of the ups and downs of what D51 was doing and what Colorado Department of Health and Colorado uh, Department of Education was rolling out. It just seemed like it was a week by week thing trying to stay on top of it. So, mm -hmm. so that's who I am and that's kind of where we're at in life right now. Okay, great. Thank you. Welcome. What is your platform and your reason for running? Yeah, great question. So um, for me, I mean, all of us going through 2020, I think that was kind of a wake up call to 
how quickly life can change. And I thought about um, getting into public service uh, probably a couple of years back. And I think last year was kind of that impetus to, to kind of get me off the, off the seat and to jump in. Um, you know, for me in particular, my business was, was shut down during the month of April. And so instead of, you know, working with patients, you know, providing adjustments, keeping them feeling good and out of the ER, instead I'm in my office pouring over, you know, PPE, payroll, you know, loans, all this paperwork on my desk instead of taking care of people. I thought, boy, this is just ridiculous. And it was stressful. I mean, I was on, so I also serve on the board of the Colorado Chiropractic Association. I'm the director at large. And we had to hire five different attorneys just to navigate all the executive orders and mandates that were coming down through DORA, Department of Regulatory Agency, to our profession, let alone my wife, who's a realtor. It was the same thing for her. It was literally every week they're trying to figure out, can we show houses? Can't we show houses? Can we do an open house? Do we have to wear gloves? You know, all these different things. And so again, instead of serving our clients, you know, we're, we're pushing through paperwork and, you know, watching Polis on the news, trying to figure out what he's going to say next. And it was just, it was a real trying time. And then, uh, and then having kids in, in D51 schools also trying to navigate all of that as well, um, having them sent home and then they get to go back, but then they're sent home again. Um, it, it's just, yeah, as you, as you all well know, really trying times. And so with that, I decided, you know what, I think the best place that I can serve, and I really feel like I've got the energy right now to serve, um, is city council. And so my platform is really going to be supporting small businesses, making sure that businesses stay open because we all have to be open for business. A business that's closed is quickly going out of business. And so the, to the extent that I can support small businesses, I will. And then also really just supporting families, uh, making sure that we continue to have a really amazing, friendly, uh, family-friendly environment here in, here in Grand Junction. Um, although just the the um, city council is not over district 51 or over the schools. I think there could possibly be even better relationships there. Um, so that, that'd be one of the things I'd want to look at as well. I mean, we can't, you know, city council can't tell D51 what to do, but I think there could be more communication there for sure. Um, and then outside of that, it's really public safety. Um, I talked to a lot of law enforcement last year as well as this year. And 2020 was a pretty rough year there for a while, they literally were not able to incarcerate anybody. And so in one evening alone, I talked to sheriff's deputy, um, she caught a gentleman that had broke into uh, 20 some cars and they literally just had to, you know, pat on the wrist, please don't do that again, let him go. He broke into three more cars that night. And so car break-ins alone, they were up 20% last year. Uh, home invasions were up, um, like middle of the day, your home, someone's kicking your door down, home invasions to the point that this one deputy I talked to said, you would, you'd actually be fairly fearful if you knew how often it's, it's been happening. Um, so she described it as, you know, they had the lid on crime and then 2020 hit, the lid came off. And so they're still trying to get that lid back on. And so not to scare everybody, but we need to make sure the law enforcement has all the tools they need. Um, I know they, I think they just renewed their, their lease on their tasers. They've got new, um, uh, armored vest that can stop a, a rifle round now, which is good. And so they need to know that we have their backs to city council, um, that, we're, that we're a strong front, we're a strong board, and that we have their backs. So in a nutshell, that's my platform. Those are the things I'm passionate about. Okay, great. Um, in your opinion, 
what is kind of the role of city council? I mean, there's lots of different, um, I think a lot of people just don't know in general, like what city council does. So summarize that for us. What does city council yeah, do? Absolutely. Great question. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know. And I think it's a great opportunity to, to kind of speak to that. So um, I think the city of Grand Junction, we were formed back in the late 1800s. And then um, I think in, it was in 1920, 1921, we modified our charter. So we do have a, a city charter that kind of gives us it's almost like a constitution. It's just kind of how we operate. And so we are a council um, manager type of city. In other words, we have a, um, I think a city council is kind of a board of directors over the city. And then we have a city manager. Um, so that city council is seven members. Um, there's elections every, basically every other year, if you will, or every, every couple of years, but it's odd years. And so this year there's four seats open and then next round it'll be um, three seats open. So it kind of alternates like that. And uh, so we have a city council and then the city council every May um, will then select their mayor for that year. And so the mayor position, it's not like you would think of a normal mayor that's elected. So we don't necessarily have an elected mayor. We just have the city council. And then we have, like I said, the city manager that is then over all the department heads and that basically runs the city at the city council's um, direction. Okay. Now, to that, I, I guess I want to add on to that. I think in years past, city council has seen itself as just that, just a board. And so they're, they're elected, they can, you know, legislate for um, uh, measures and different things to be put on the ballot. Um, they can create laws, uh, municipal code, that sort of thing. But I think more importantly, now that we're seeing, I think city council should also be um, kind of a voice for the people. We need to have good leadership down there that's willing to step up, even though city council can't necessarily say, hey, Denver, or, hey, you know, Eastern Slope, we don't like what you're telling us. I mean, we don't have the power to stop that necessarily, but we could sure stand up to it and say, you know what, Grand Junction's different. We're not Denver, and we think we need to do things differently here. And then that's where, you know, having good relationships with the county health department and the county commissioners can really help as well. And I wanna make sure that those relationships are even better. It was back in the day, um, but then county commissioners and the, the city council just kinda broke some of those ties. They used to have joint meetings together. So I'd like to see a lot of that happen again. And that's where that leadership can really come in as opposed to just this you know, board that just meets periodically and votes on a couple of things here and there. I think we need to see a lot more leadership down there. So I guess just an add on to that. So if you were kind of drawing circles around like where they have control. So city council is kind of the smallest circle, then your county commissioners would be the next largest and then out to a state level. Yeah, in a, in a way you think of, um, you know, city councils over the city, which is actually fairly small, you know, um, right. it's, it's, you know, within the Grand Valley there, of course. But then when you think of Mesa County, it's obviously much, much larger. And so, you know, city police, they handle things within the city, but then the sheriff's department and the sheriff's deputies handle things in Mesa County. So Mesa County is actually quite a bit larger and mm -hmm. uh, their county commissioners, they have three county commissioners. I think at some point they need to add several more to that. And that's probably something that they'll talk about eventually. And then the county commissioners, they're elected, but then they're also uh, paid a, a fairly handsome salary. And so there's a little bit of a contrast there in how those two entities work together but they need to work together because there's a lot of overlap between city and county, you know, when you're considering buffer zones 
and roads and bridges and who's responsible for what. Um, but you know, we need to know what the county commissioners are up to. They need to know what we're up to. And I think for purposes of transparency and accountability, I'd love to see those two, those two organizations work, work closer together. Thank you for that summary. Absolutely. So my next question for you is what is one key element that you bring to the table that makes you stand out from the other candidates? Yeah, so I think um, for me personally, I would say that I'm boots on the ground. You know, we've got kids in District 51 right now. I've got a, a, a soon-to-be 17-year-old. He'll be 17 uh, two months. And then I have a 15-year-old, sorry, 15-year-old daughter and then a five-year-old son. So we're kind of on the spectrum, if you will, of kids in education. So my son's right right now, he's in a private school. He's at Bookcliffe Christian School doing the um, their pre, uh, pre-K program, their preschool program. And then the other two kids, like I said, are at Mesa Valley Community School, which is like a charter school for homeschoolers. So they do have a few in-person classes as well as classes that they do at home. Um, and then, like I said, both my wife and I are licensed professionals through the state that have small businesses. And so I feel like we've been impacted as much or more than just about anybody because we've experienced all of what that pandemic you know, has, has brought to us. And so I, I feel like I'm in a particular unique situation, like I said, boots on the ground. Um, we're in it every day, we're living it every day. I know exactly what it's like to be you know, a resident of the city of Grand Junction. Um, and then, and, and I guess besides that, like I mentioned earlier, my work with the Colorado Chiropractic Association, um, we've got a large board of directors. Uh, we have a, about a half a million dollar budget. We have a lobbyist, so we actually pass bills. Um, I'm a past president for our state association. And when I first came onto that state association, it was it was fairly unhealthy. The, the board of directors were fighting constantly. Um, there were lawsuits coming in. Um, literally our bank account was down to $10,000. We had to lay off all of our staff except for our executive director who then ended up having to be the cleaning crew as well. So literally she's working all week long, 60, 70, 80 hour a week. And then she had to vacuum and clean toilets at the end of the week. Um, it, was, it was pretty rough. And that was just dysfunctional board, people not wanting to get along. And, and that's when I decided to jump in, of course. And so myself and a couple other gentlemen, we, we got on the board and we said, you know, I, we're gonna have to clean this up. We're gonna stop all the spending. And so we, we literally plugged up all the holes in the, in the bucket that was leaking and uh, turn that ship around it took about two years and now we're back even better than we were much healthier now several years later it's been about seven years now and uh during that time i i uh, rose to the rank of president we were able to pass one of our first legislative bills it had been 10 or 15 years since we passed a bill and so so that's something that i can bring to the table as well as working with others um making things work being fiscally conservative when you need to be fiscally conservative um, you know, if you need to lay off some staff, if you need to get lean and mean, you know, then you, then you just have to do that. And again, us coming out of a pandemic, looking at the city and where they want to spend money, um, I think it's important to have someone with that experience on city council. Right. Yes. So the, the next question we're going to kind of ask about some, I guess, hot topics that are coming either down, you know, down the line for voting sure. measures or things that have been hot topics in the last year or two. So um, you can just kind of comment short or long, however, on the following different topics like where you stand. 
So um, the first one is marijuana being sold in the city limits of Grand Junction. I know this is going to be a big thing. It's going to be um, on the ballot in April, I believe. Same same ballot as city council, right? Yeah. Um, so where where do you stand on all of that? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a complex topic. Um, you know, when marijuana first came to the state, um, I think we had several months where we had several dispensaries open up in the city of Grand Junction. And then city council at that time decided to go ahead and gosh, I think that was, was that 2011, decided to put a measure on the ballot, basically a moratorium on the sale of marijuana within city limits. And that's been in place since then. I think there's been at least one, if not two, what's called a citizen's initiative where you try to get enough signatures to then put your own language on the ballot for citizens to vote. I know the last time they tried, um, they just didn't have enough signatures. The signatures weren't, you know, they weren't people in city limits or just people in the county and so forth. And so I think what city council saw was this isn't going away. Um, it seems like this is something the citizens want. And so what city council decided to do is, well, let's go ahead and come up with our own language. So at least we can kind of control it a little bit better that way. And this is one of the jobs of city council uh, if they choose to do so. And so they decided to go ahead and put a ballot measure on for April. I would have liked to have seen the language a lot clearer. I think there's a lot of ambiguity in it. Um, things I'm concerned about is, you know, how many dispensaries are we gonna allow in the city? I know six, six dispensaries has been kicked around. It does sound like some of this will come back to city council. It's a two-part question. It's do we wanna lift the moratorium and then do we wanna go ahead and issue these licenses? So it's kind of a if then sort of question. And I believe both parts of the question have to be a yes for, for everything to go forward. If one gets voted down, the other one can't pass it, uh, along with it. And so I do think it's important that the citizens get to vote on this. Um, if they want it, they want it. And if they don't, they don't. Um, like I said, I would have liked to see the language be a little cleaner on it. So I do have some concerns there. I have concerns about where the money is, are going to go. At one point, they thought about earmarking it for um, Parks and Rec. Um, potentially for a rec center down the road. Um, and then now it sounds like maybe that's not the case. And again, I think the incoming city council in May is they're gonna be tasked with trying to figure some of that out if it does pass. And I do think we need to earmark some of that money for further regulation, as well as um, maybe even more funding for public safety. Uh, there's, so going back to when it first passed here in Colorado and we had the dispensaries, I know, um, Doug Shoemaker, our police chief, he said that there were several thousand new homeless that came into Grand Junction almost almost immediately. And he said crime was up. He says it was kind of it was kind of chaos for a while. And then when they passed the moratorium, he said all that pretty much went away. Well, we don't know what it's going to be like this time. Obviously, marijuana has been in Colorado for some time now. So I don't know if it's going to be that same, you know, big big pop of uh, residents coming in. And marijuana, I mean, we d it doesn't cause homelessness per se, but it does tend to kind of attract some of those transient populations. And so that's a concern as well. So I think we need to make sure that law enforcement has the funding and the resources. So part of that excise tax that comes from marijuana, I think would need to go to that. And then beyond that, on a personal level, um, I'm glad to see it on the ballot, but I'm gonna be voting no against it. It's a good summary. Um, so another hot topic is development, both in the city and in the county. Obviously, you don't, the city council doesn't have, um, you know, jurisdiction over the county, but how are you going to handle the development, both on a housing standpoint and a business 
standpoint? And then how do you feel about other, like the fees and the associated costs that go with that? I know the TCP fee, um, I'm also a realtor. So I know that one um, is near and dear to me. And I'm sure you talked a lot with Andrea about that, but that was a big deal. Um, those fees that were associated, you know, being put on new builders and things. So how do you feel about any and all of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also a great question. Um, yeah, so we know that growth is coming. Um, this is something I've even talked to some other agents about, uh, developers as well. Um, so we, we know there's a housing shortage. There's been a housing shortage for a while. Uh, my wife just listed a house and within a day it's under contract. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's how quick they're moving. And so we do need new construction. Um, and there's two, there's two camps to that. You know, there's one side that says, oh, we need to create, you know, we need to maintain a lot of open space. And there's others that say we need to infill um, some of these open spaces with more subdivisions. Where does that need to be? You know, again, a lot of that is kind of up to, uh, you know, what the, the city residents think. And then we do have a comprehensive plan that uh, city council put together several years back that's been modified over time. And so as far as city council goes, I think we need to do everything we can to really work with developers, especially within the city, because they are really wanting to have higher density um, residential properties in the city. Um, but then when you have a TCP fee that is, I mean, upwards of $5,000 per you know, single family residence, that either the builder or the developer would have to pay. Um, I mean, that's a lot of money um, going to those traffic impact fees. And a lot of the developers are very frustrated because they feel like, well, I pay those fees, but then I don't see the immediate benefit for what I've built. And it seems like it kind of goes somewhere else to help with something else. And so there's a lot of frustration around those fees. Um, and with a housing shortage, I know a lot of these, a lot of these developers feel like they're getting literally feed out of business. And my problem with fees are, it's really just a way around Tabor or taxpayer bill of rights. And so in Colorado, we've just never defined what a fee is. Well, a fee is really just a tax and it's a very large tax. And so if you're trying to build a home and you maybe have, you know, $10,000 of profit potentially at the end, but then now you have this new fee on top of it it's to the point you're just not even going to build a home. You're just going to sell the lots and hope that someone else will buy the lots and build later. So I don't know. I think maybe we need to do something a little bit more drastic to get some uh, new construction going, maybe even to the point of having a moratorium on the TCP fees for a while. Um, I know the county has their TIF fees and those are similar. I think both were raised a couple, what was it 2019? That's when a lot of the meetings were happening at city council. A lot of the realtors were coming out. A lot of the builders were coming out. And uh, I think we have a ratcheting up right now of the fees, uh, but it's literally, a, mm -hmm. it's going to be doubled of what it was. And I think at one point the city was even, you know, proposing tripling of those fees, which fortunately that didn't happen. But I mean, I was just looking at the fees this morning and, you know, if you want to build a, a movie theater, which is commercial space, um, it's literally $30,000 for every thousand square feet of movie theater space. Yeah. And so I don't know who's going to build a movie theater and end up paying, you know, $1.3 million in TCP fees just to have that movie theater built. So it's really going to, so we talk about, we need to bring in new businesses, better jobs, new industries, yet these fees are really precluding them from doing that. So I think that's something we need to look at very seriously. Because um, like I said, at the end of the day, a fee is really just a tax. And uh, if we need the tax revenue, then we need the tax revenue. But I think what's happened is city council kind of kicked that can down the road for so long that now city manager and staff feel like we've got to catch up and get all those fees um, back again. 
And, you know, that's not the builder's problem. That's not the developer's problem. That's more of an issue that the city has created. So we need to, we need to figure that out. We need to fix that so that we can have that, you know, staggered um, stepped growth, if you will. Um, but at the same time, you know, having incentives for builders and developers to continue to do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a delicate balance. I think you nailed yeah. it. Is it's, it was, it's been a catch up thing for so many years and yeah, trying to put it all, all at once has been detrimental. So right. um, you kind of, the next question was along the lines of protecting small business and pushing it back against those, I call them non-elected bureaucrats. <laughs> Yeah. Um, your your health departments and things like that. So I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but how are you specifically going to help with that? Yeah. So again, it's 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 tough because city council only has so much jurisdiction and authority. You know, right. we can't we can't come out and you know basically trump what Polis has said. But at the same time, I think we can stand up and be be bold leaders. So the town of Monument, for example several months back, they decided to unanimous, unanimously sign a resolution that basically says, we think businesses know best. No two businesses are the same. No two restaurants are the same. So to have these arbitrary mandates, these arbitrary restrictions, you know, you've got a Costco or a Walmart where people are in their elbow to elbow shopping. Somehow that's fine. But the little boutique, you know, clothing store on Main Street either was completely shut down because they weren't, you know, essential um, or they're, or they're very restricted. Same thing with restaurants. You go into one restaurant, you know, they've got a certain level of capacity with so many tables, but then you look at another restaurant, even though it feels like they have the same capacity, their actually dining room is smaller than the other. It's just, it's apples and orange oftentimes. And that's been very frustrating for a lot of small business owners. So I really like what the town of Monument did with this resolution. Really a resolution is just an opinion by city council but I think opinions matter. And I think that's where leadership steps up and says, hey, we're willing to put our necks on the line here to speak about principle and what's important and show leadership to our community. And I, I know there's, uh, I think Woodland Park, Parker, Colorado, Castle Rock. Uh, I, I know there's another municipality that's looking to do the exact same thing. So if you have enough municipalities stand up and say, hey, you know what? Grand Junction's different, we're not Denver. You know, we've done a really good job and I think businesses know best for what's best for their business. I mean, no two businesses are the same. So I think we need to listen to businesses. We need to hear from them. Maybe even to the point that city council uh, creates a whole new commission of small business owners. And then we go to them and say, hey, what do you guys think would be the solutions? How can we, how can we safely stay open? You know, cause safety is still a concern, but at the same time, we need to be open enough that we're not just going out of business. I can't tell you how many restaurants I've talked to that think, you know, they're not sure if they're going to make it through the winter and that's just not okay. And the restaurants in particular have really taken a, the, the toll on this and it's a slow bleed. You know, it looks like they're still open, but when a restaurant, you know, normally operates at 3% profit margins and they're at 50% capacity, they're slowly going out of business and there's no amount of PPP loans or disaster relief loans that'll fix that long-term. It just, it just slows down the inevitable. So I think that's where city council can come forward with resolutions that says we're, we're backing our small businesses. And then also I would add to that, that I know the city police department as well as the sheriff's department, you know, they've said that they're not gonna enforce these mask mandates. 
Now, if someone is trespassing on property without a mask, they're being belligerent, obviously law enforcement will remove them, just like if you're not wearing a t-shirt and you know, no shoes, no shirt, no, no service. I mean, that's personal property rights. And I think that's, that's, that's appropriate. Um, but I, it's nice to know that here locally in Grand Junction and Mesa County, our law enforcement, you know, they're not in the business of trying to enforce you know, unconstitutional mandates like the mask mandate. Um, so that's, that's encouraging to me. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think city council can show a little bit more leadership and support for for small businesses. Thank you, Craig. So we're going to follow up with just one more question for you, and it's a two part question. Okay. Why would someone vote for you? Why should someone vote for you? And are you in the long haul for this community? Yeah, good question as well. So um, kind of back to my earlier points that. Um, you know, me and my family were boots on the ground. Um, we've been in this community. I've been in practice for 17 years. You know, we're not going anywhere. Um, our kids are still in school. Um, you know, we both have our businesses here. Um, we have our, our house of worships here. And so, so we're not going anywhere. Um, I have the experience both on different boards as well as being in small business and living in, in the city um, that I can bring that experience to the, to the city council. And, uh, and to the question, you know, am I in for the long haul? It is four years, it's a four year commitment. There's several meetings a month. And, uh, and I've, I've definitely thought about that, prayed about that and made the decision that, you know, I've got the energy for it. I'm ready to, ready to step up and, and, and help Grand Junction. So yeah, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. Awesome, good to hear. Well, that wraps up our interview with you, Greg, and we really appreciate your time. Um, it's great to hear all the different points and um, best of luck to you in the election. And thanks again. Yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Greg.